Welcome to the Ministry Mindset Podcast. The Ministry Mindset Podcast is designed to help people discover their God-given purpose and to learn to put that purpose into action. Welcome, everybody. It's great to have everybody back to the Ministry Mindset Podcast. This is Tom Darling. And today, I've got my special guest and best friend and co-founder, Tony Smith, with us. How you doing today, Tony? How are you doing, Tom? I'm doing great. So glad to be here. Me too. Glad to have you here. So um, what we wanted to talk about this week was when we meet with people and we coach folks on how to develop a ministry mindset and kind of how to put their purpose into action, uh, one thing that is critical before we can actually get something accomplished is actually defining what that purpose is, right? True. And unfortunately, for most people, and I think this applies for most people in life, that when I ask folks that I work with or ask others, like, you know, what's your vision? You know, what's what, what do you think your purpose on the planet is? I get all kinds of interesting <laughs> answers. I, mean, I bet you do. It's really funny. I I asked somebody the other day, you know, kind of what their vision was, and and they made this statement. They're like, well, you know, I want to be comfortable. You know, my kid's taken care of. Sure. You know, I'd like to uh, retire one day. While those statements, they, they believe that's kind of their purpose or vision, uh, in reality, those statements are not vision statements at all. Those are like management functions, like retirement, making sure your kids and wife or kids and spouse are happy. And, and that, all that is great. But how do you measure happiness, right? True. And then, and then the, the next thing is, what? so let's say you retire. Then what happens? I mean, if retirement is your ultimate vision in life, and then what happens when you retire? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what does happen? Right. You kind of sit in the recliner and die. Yeah, most guys, that's what happens to them. Yeah. So, you know, being able to help someone define what their purpose is, uh, you know, there are no classes in college or high school for that. Uh, but one thing that I have found is, you know, kids that are in, you know, 17, 18, even 20 years old, when you ask them what their vision is, they've got all kinds of ideas of what they want to accomplish. Of course they do. And and it's amazing to me that by the time someone is 40, all of these, you know, big dreams that are so easy to, to define are suddenly, you know, whittled down into management functions by the time they're 40. You would think that by the time someone was 45 that their vision would be like crystal clear, right? That they would mm-hmm. know exactly what it is they want to do. So let me ask you, Tony, I mean, what, when, you were, when you were 18, 19 years old, what was, what was like your purpose on the planet? <laughs> Boy, you have to understand I'm a child of the 60s. So my lifestyle was really different. It was, it was about tuning in and tuning out, so to speak, uh, you know, being in the in the movement during that time was the Vietnam War. So at 18, I was really just thinking about trying to just survive. Wow. You know, trying to figure out what to do next. You know, the possibility of maybe going into the military or doing something like that. So I really, that's really where I was at at that time at 18. It's kind of a scary time for me. Well, and, and yeah, and it was, it was a scary time in the country then too. I mean. True. I think back during the time of the Vietnam War, a lot of people at the age of 18 years old 
just kind of had there was like this collective view that whatever your vision and desires and dreams were were just kind of put on hold to wait and see if you were going to get drafted oh yeah that's true and i guess it's interesting too because then it makes me wonder it's like you know are we at a place in time where you know young people really do have the freedom and flexibility to kind of dream and kind of decide what they want to do you know whether that's still a thing i know even my kids you know all had desires for what they wanted to do and and they all did what their dad told them to. They all tried to go to college. So, you know, being a former college professor, I, you know, really excited <laughs> to have my kids go to college. And all three of my kids, I think my, my, my stepdaughter and my youngest son both went to college for a year, got a certificate, and went out, worked in that field for about a year, and then changed careers. And then my youngest son, you know, went to school, went to college for one semester, flunked out, decided to go do his own thing. And, you know, for a college professor dad... That's kind of a kick in the head. Oh, I can understand that. <laughs> so, but what is so important and valuable is, you know, them having an experience that's different than even my experience was. I mean, I went right into college out of high school. I knew what I wanted to be. I wanted to be an architect, and that was going to be my thing. And so I borrowed a bunch of money. I went to college and took full time every semester. Uh, I was an RA in the dorm, so I didn't have to work a real job. Got my you know, room and board paid for. But when I got out of college, I didn't have any work experience except for the experience I had in high school. And so I couldn't even get the job that I wanted. And I had to take the job that I could get and then spend the next 10 years trying to work my way into the job that I wanted. Wow. And so, you know, our kids nowadays have figured out, and I... As a professor, Dad, I've learned to kind of let go of that and not be critical because it is more important that someone find their place and then figure out what it is that they're passionate about and then spend their money to go back to school wisely if they can. Yeah, I think that's a great idea. Yeah. And so here we are today, right? I mean, our listeners out there, we are both well over 40, <laughs> well over 45, but we are both kids at heart. Yeah, and, that's uh, a polite way to say that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But what we wanted to talk about today was this, this idea of purpose as it relates to our purpose as believers. Yep. Um, it's, really hard to, it's really hard to help somebody to identify their purpose as a Christian if they don't have any concept of what their purpose as a human being is. That's true. And so for Christians, for believers, one thing that, that I've found and seen often is usually a Christian's purpose is closely tied to their people purpose and god has a way of knowing human beings and his children so well that oftentimes those things that we're passionate about in our profession in our daily lives god doesn't take that for granted and god uses those things and oftentimes will align his spiritual purpose for our lives with those other things that's pretty that amazing make, yeah you know i think the church kind of struggles with that and a lot of people that Mm-hmm. want to do ministry or want to serve think well you know i'm an artist or i'm a musician or i like to work on cars or you know i like hot air ballooning or you know they have these hobbies and these passions and think that those things are you know different and not things that could be used in ministry and then you know maybe they have to go to seminary or they have to you know figure out how to just join a current team at church and and put all that stuff aside and try to fit a square peg into a round hole. And what we want to talk about today is this idea that 
if God made you a square, he's got a square hole. He sure does. I know that's a weird analogy, but <laughs> so there is a book uh, that we talk about, talk about it in the ministry mindset program. It's called Cazone. Uh, Craig Rochelle, pastor of Life.Church, wrote this book. Oh, gosh, it's been about 15 years, 15 or so years now. It's called Cazone, Define Your Vision, Pursue Your Passion, Live Your Life on Purpose. And I remember the first time I read that book uh, and went through it, it it's a kind of a different approach to kind of thinking about who we are, what our purpose is, and how God could use that purpose. And there's a course that was designed around that book called Cazone, Find Your Purpose, and it has three really unique components. Now, what does Cazone mean? Well, Cazone is Greek for for vision or, or purpose. Do you, do you remember, did anybody ever ask you, Tony, if you were called to ministry? And do you feel called? Oh, yeah. Okay. And when you, when you felt that call, do you remember when you felt that call? Sure, I what, do. Tell, why don't you tell us this? Um, I actually felt God's calling in my life as a child. <clears throat> I was raised a Catholic, and uh, I did what every good Catholic did is you went to mass and did all the Catholic things, but it wasn't really satisfying to me. But I felt this inward urge that I knew God was calling me to to do something. I didn't really know what it was because I didn't really know who God was. So what happened through circumstances, of course, later on when I had my military life or career, which was three years in the Navy during the Vietnam War. I actually accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And at that point, I really felt the calling that he was calling me into the ministry. So uh, through a lot of different circumstances, I had the opportunity actually to, I had a a Navy chaplain who was a a, a Lutheran pastor. He was actually going to send me to Lutheran seminary and uh, to go through there and be ordained in the Lutheran Church, but I didn't really feel I had the ability to achieve that, you know, being 20-some-odd years old and thinking about going to a seminary somewhere there never been was pretty daunting to me. So I decided to come back to uh, New Mexico, where I currently live, and I began to get involved in a ministry, a church there, where I actually became an ordained minister and associate pastor and was actually functioning in that capacity. Wow. So you were living living the life, right? I was living the life, that, but it was based upon, you know, the time that I could give it. It's like, you know, being a, uh, a father of two boys and a wife who was addicted to prescription drugs. I had to create an income for us. And if anybody knows what it's like to be just newly married and having children, having responsibility of trying to bring uh, income into a, a family and pay for not only food, but rent, cars, you know, the whole thing, it, it becomes a pretty heavy thing on a young man's heart. So ministry to me was like on the weekends or in the evenings. Right. And did you... Did you have this desire to, like, want to do it full-time? Oh, yeah. It was there. Yeah, I remember um, 
when when I felt a call, I was at a missions conference in Champaign-Urbana, and I'd, I'd been in youth, been doing youth volunteer, youth ministry, and leading worship, and doing lots of other things. And it was, it was at the end of the you know, the workshop, in this big auditorium with, oh gosh, there was like five thousand people in that auditorium, and um, and they had a call at the end of the end of the conference asking. You know, those of you who feel like God is speaking to your heart, lots of prayer. And if any of you have ever been to one of these big things, we don't do those much anymore. Nope. The the church, the church in the '80s, there was a lot of revival type <laughs> situations. Yeah. Um, but it's kind of it's kind of different now. But I remember that I was just sitting there, and I just knew inside my heart, it's like, oh my gosh, yes. I mean, yes, I want to be an architect. Yes, I still want to do all these things, but. Oh my gosh! I mean, I have no doubt in my mind that God is calling me. You know, and so I remember praying, praying the prayer, and and being so excited. And of course, you know, went back after the conference, and you know, within about six months of the conference, I you know, I got married and did you know, life started and lots of things changed. And within a short period of time, suddenly it became more and more difficult to see how that was going to be fulfilled. Oh yeah. And I had lots of other people telling me, well, your next step is to go to seminary and you need to go do this. And it's going to cost you $30,000 to go to school. And I wasn't even done with my bachelor's degree. Well, barely done with my bachelor's degree. And, you know, you, you think, oh, my gosh, it's like, I'm, you mean I'm not going to get to serve or do ministry until this is all over with. So then you hear the war stories of, you know, seminary of people losing their faith while they're in school. Mm-hmm. And you think, oh, my gosh, what did I sign up for? What, what's yeah. going on? And, you know, it's terrible when you spend 10, 15 years of your life trying to figure out what is my purpose, what am I supposed to do, only to realize that, well, you don't have to wait for it, right? True. That's what we're here to talk about tonight. Um, and so this, this concept of Kazon and the idea of finding your vision is, is really valuable. Now, Kazon starts with three specific and different unique points of view to be able to determine how our vision is intersected in the middle of these. And each of these points of view first starts with looking at your personal timeline, which is an overview of the history of you and where you've come, the, the situations in your time, in, the, in, your, in your past that actually were tragic or influential or had an impact and then the lessons learned along the way and kind of the chapters that we've experienced in our life and how they kind of tell the story of who we've become today. Hmm. The second part that Kazone looks at is your core values as a person. You know, as we grow um, as human beings, every human being has a set of core values, whether they can define them or not. And oftentimes, you know, in a lot of the teaching that I do, I'll ask students in my classes, you know, what are your top five values? And, and it's really scary when some of these folks that are over 40 will ask me, well, could you clarify what you mean by values? <laughs> but this idea of, you know, what are the things that, that we value? Is it integrity? Is it honesty? Is it promptness? Is it attention to detail? I mean, all these different things we value. And then the last one is your spiritual gifts, those gifts given by God to a believer to equip them to do ministry. Now, a lot of young believers may not have a clue what those gifts are, because you don't really kind of discover your spiritual gifts until you actually start serving people and, and volunteering, and, and then God starts to reveal those things. But oftentimes, some of our spiritual gifts 
align with some of those things that God's already gifted us with our personality and, and passions and some of those things. And so the idea of taking our past experiences, our core values and beliefs, and our spiritual gifts and overlapping them, and that place in the center where they overlap gives us the place where we can start to form a true vision statement for our Christianity, for our lives, and how God is calling us to serve him. So now I know, Tony, you've been through the Gazone experience. Uh, what What's some of the things you learned when you went and, and went through and did the timeline, building your timeline? I think the thing that really impacted my life was seeing those times that really were hard i was a juvenile delinquent let's let's just be upfront i was i was a what you call a bad boy and i continued on in, in my naval career and so i saw myself uh getting arrested for uh, awol that's absent without leave and during a time of war that's actually um I can't remember what they called it, but you could have got a life imprisonment for that. Mm -hmm. So I see those things in my life where they really impacted me in a really hard way. Uh, My divorce was another one. But I saw through all that, there were certain things that were consistent in my life. And it, it really showed me throughout that timeline what was happening and how God was actually involved in every aspect of it. So one of the uh, one of the things that the key things that we do when we build the timeline is after we put all we take a bunch of sticky notes and put all of our experiences that we remember over the years onto this timeline on this this fold out. Yep. And we use yellow post-its to kind of do that. And then we have people go back and look for the painful moments that they wrote down on the on the yellow post-its along with everything else and we have them take a pink post-it and kind of switch the yellow out for a pink post-it note. And that way we kind of get to see over the course of this, however many years of timeline we're building, we get to see how many pink moments, the painful moments we've had in our lives. Do you remember looking at your timeline after you swapped out all of those yellow notes for pink notes? I sure do. I had more pink than yellow. Did you really? <laughs> yeah. Wow. And and how that make you feel? Um, Boy, it, it gives you mixed feelings. I'll tell you, Kazone, if you really go in there with an open heart and you allow the Spirit of God to really speak to you, you begin to see that God is wanting to do something. He wants to, you to discover exactly what your Kazone is. What is that vision that God's called you to do? So that, that really is what I saw at that point in time, that it was, it was getting focused. I was getting focused. I could actually see what was happening and it was coming to pass and like you've experienced because you've uh, done a number of sessions on Kazone with a number of people a lot of people become emotionally affected by this I've seen grown men cry Mm -hmm. because of how they see their life and how things have impacted them through that period of time so it was just it's amazing Right, the timeline is—it's really powerful. I, you know, when I went through Kazon the first time, I had already read the book, so I kind of understood this concept. And you know, when when a teacher participates in you know curriculum, as a teacher, we tend not to ever be surprised because we already know what's coming next, right? <laughs> yeah. But I got to tell you, when I when I put all of these experiences onto this timeline and filled out all these post-it notes and swapped them out. 
And, you know, as I'm going through there, I, myself, when I was doing it, you know, you start thinking about, oh, yeah, I remember, you know, my divorce. I remember when we couldn't have kids. And I remember when my kids were born. I remember even going back, you know, my graduation, my dad's death, hmm. um, going to college or the first car accident. I mean, I, I wrote as many things as I could think of through time. When we were going through the process of actually categorizing them into chapters, that was where the timeline really came alive for me because being a guy that, you know, felt called not long after his acceptance, his salvation, and then trying to find my place and where, you know, waiting for that time. When am I going to get to be a full-time ministry? When am I going to get pastor? When am I going to, and then for, you know, 25 years of working in the secular world and doing really, really well, but never getting that opportunity to actually be employed in the ministry looking at that timeline i began to see that through all these events and how they were all connected to each other i could see god's hand just like you were saying right mm-hmm. you could see how god's hand is using and moving and working in your life and being able to see kind of your history on paper it is a weird kind of cathartic thing yeah it's weird and i, and I guess this is how people write autobiographies i don't know right <laughs> maybe so but um and then and then when we take the next step and talk about our core values honesty integrity responsibility timeliness fiscal responsibility whatever those things are justice there's a lot of different core values that that people have and then looking at spiritual gifts especially if you know someone has said oh you like the gift of evangelism or the gift mm-hmm. of helps or the gift of discernment sermon of spirits or the or gift a of teacher. Yeah, the gift of teaching. I know for me, when I when I was able to see all those things, it became really, really obvious. Wow, it's like I'm a teacher and a leader. I'm a, someone who thinks strategically. I'm someone who's been through this set of experiences that's led me to develop these core beliefs and values that I have. And I was teaching full-time at, at that time and serving in, in ministry from a volunteer standpoint. But it started to become really painfully obvious that Oh, my, my vision and my calling really has to do with teaching, encouraging, and mentoring, serving other people. Right? Mm-hmm. So when you got to that place, Tony, where it was time to create a statement, looking at your timeline, looking at your core values and your spiritual gifts, we have, we have a time in, in the training where people actually create a statement. And sometimes it can take a long time. Uh, sometimes it just comes to mind right away. I'd like you to share what Kazone's statement did you come up with in that class for you personally? Uh, for me, I, I did a Titus chapter 1. So there was a scripture that inspired your Kazon statement. Is yes, that... there was. Okay. And it was uh, Titus 1, chapter 1, or chapter 1, verse 1. And it said, Paul was talking, he says, This letter is from Paul, a slave of, of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ. I've been sent to proclaim faith to those God has chosen and to teach them to know the truth that shows them how to live godly lives. That was exactly what Micah's own was. I saw that I was actually here to proclaim the faith to those who God has chosen. That's, in a sense, being a teacher, uh, teaching them to know the truth that shows them how to live a godly life. And so I felt really a calling to teach men, counsel men, on how to live a godly life. Um, Today, men, especially Christian men, have lost or have never been taught what it really means 
to have the Word of God dwell in them. And we've developed a, a program which is called Neurofusion, which gets into that, in, in which we'll talk in a later podcast. But what happened to me that day when I saw that, and that became like a zone, I, the only thing that I could tell you, Tom, is that I felt something spiritually that just clicked. You felt it too when it happened oh, to yeah. you. Oh, yeah, yeah. Nobody talks about this. You know, I've never heard about Cazone or, mm-hmm. you know, it was just so, you know, people make fun of the word. <laughs> right. But, Sounds like a sneeze. <laughs> yeah. But for me, I didn't really know what my Cazone was until I went through this. And once I saw it in Titus chapter 1, 1 became my my theme of what I was going to do the rest of my life. And I think what's interesting about this, I, I can't tell you how many times I have taught workshops on vision statements and mission statements, especially in business school and coaching other businesses. I mean, you know, to write a business vision statement that kind of guides your business. So often what happens when we go through these trainings on mission statements and vision statements is that people will develop a really cool statement Mm-hmm. And then it'll end up on the shelf somewhere. Oh, yeah. And they'll pull it out during their annual meeting <laughs> to kind of check and see if they've actually followed it. Yeah. When, you know, when you go into a, a training like this or an experience like this, the first thought is, well, this is great. I'm going to come up with a statement. And there's going to be one of two things happen. Number one, I'm going to come up with a cool statement that I can tell people that would be really cool that I can share at church. And we'll kind of have our own new kind of language around well what's your cazone what's your cazone oh it's like what's your sign i'm i'm a cazone virgo or i'm you know right i'm a titus one guy right right so that's one perspective and i think that's that's an honest perspective i think for believers because we as believers in the the 21st century american church are really really good at you know creating quick five minute box statements that we can kind of put out there to define who we are and in two seconds and put a label on us and then we're good to go yeah it's true however the other side of that the other option that happens in a a training like this is you really do kind of get to see truly who you are Mm -hmm. especially if we're honest with yourself and look at you look at your timeline and realize i mean if you look back in history and you see that every place in history where you have grown where you have changed, where God has has entered into your life and made an impact, had to do when you were serving the homeless, for instance. Mm -hmm. Or someone, there was actually someone who went to the class that was homeless for a while. And as you look at their timeline and see their progress and and what they learned along the way and kind of how their life got shaped over time, they were were able to recognize that their purpose was to to fight on behalf of those that can't fight for themselves that was that was their Kazon statement and a statement like that when we're trying to figure out well what is my ministry how am I supposed to serve the Lord well when we have a statement that defines what our purpose is on the planet that changes the way that we approach what we're supposed to do oh yeah uh, Micah's own statement was to empower people to meaningful action in their personal, professional, and spiritual lives. And I realized when I look back at my timeline and my core values, that teaching, which is one of my spiritual gifts, but also my profession, 
uh, exhortation, you know, encouraging people to meaningful action is something that I've done. That's kind of how I, when I do small groups and one-on-one, it's, that's what pretty much makes up that what happens there. Um, I don't have a spiritual gift of evangelism, although I, I value evangelism and, and mm. love to disciple people through the faith. Yeah. But that makes it okay not to feel like I need to be knocking on doors or going out there and, you know, pre- preaching revivals, right? And I begin to realize that when I looked at my timeline that where I made the most impact and where God made the most impact in my life is when I was empowering people mm-hmm. and helping them to reach their next phase of life, helping to empower them into ministry, help them empower them, whatever it is, business. So when you think of personal, professional, and spiritual lives, suddenly it, wasn't, it isn't about for me, oh, one day when I become a pastor, it's like, oh, my gosh. God has been ministering through me for the last 10 years, and I've been totally <laughs> clueless about it. Or not or not giving him the honor right. of validating that I've been in ministry all along. True. And this is, you know, this is a, you know, I'm a mature Christian, I'm volunteering, but recognizing that when I went through Gazone and seeing that, it was suddenly I, I had the freedom of being able to say, I'm already there. And so it really started to shape what was what was going to come next and for those of you listening you know the this ministry mindset program what this podcast is designed around that's one of the fruits of my kazone is recognizing that my role in the church my role in god's kingdom is to empower people to meaningful action in personal professional spiritual lives and how we do that through the ministry mindset is helping people to understand how God has made them and called them and then giving them everything they need to be able to go out and experiment and serve him. Right. Yeah. It's just, it's hard to describe. And it's so simple. That's, I think that's the thing. I mean, have you ever tried, have you ever made it complicated? Make it so complicated. People look at you go, what? Tony was just saying a minute ago, those of you listening, Tony was just explaining that, you know, one of the things that's become his priority being part of the ministry mindset team is really helping people learn how to study the Bible, mm-hmm. how to understand the Bible and like get, get the word in their heart. Yep. And that's this program called Neurofusion. And we want you to please subscribe to this podcast because in a couple of weeks, we're actually going to have an episode specifically about Tony's content Neurofusion, which we teach in the ministry mindset program about this idea of a new and exciting, creative way to be able not only to study and to learn, but to have, to, but to memorize scripture in a way that is as natural as the way we memorize TV commercials. That's true. So I'm really looking forward to, to <laughs> learning more about that, Tony. It's great. Well, gosh, uh, we're probably getting close to being out of time here, but uh, I just thank you. It's so great to sit and talk, Tony, just yeah, about this. Fun. You know, Tony and I could sit and talk. We, you know, about this all day long. But what we wanted to do for this this podcast, this episode, is we wanted to kind of give you a taste of, of what the foundation is before we can go through and develop a plan of action for understanding how to put our purpose into action. We've got to figure out what our purpose is. Mm-hmm. And it starts with a purpose statement based on some real life experience and, and understanding our values and our gifts so that we can, once we determine kind of get a snapshot of how we think God built us for serving him, then we can kind of look at our personality and our strengths and kind of look at the rest of our life. And then we can actually sit down and 
kind of build a plan of action. So. Just the beginning. Right. That's right. Uh, any other thoughts you want to say, Tony, before I wrap us up here? I would encourage anybody who's listening to this podcast to go to our uh, website, which is ministrymindset.org. Yeah, ministry-mindset. Don't forget the dash. Yeah. Or you'll never find us. <laughs> <laughs> and in there you'll see uh, our, our program, what it's all about. If you're really serious about getting in and really finding out what God wants you to do, this is the best I've ever seen. This is really God that's doing this. Uh, it's It would be nice to stay, say, yeah, we did it. But to be honest, it's God that just put it on our hearts. Tom has been instrumental in f- formatting and bringing this into fruition. And I'm excited that we can actually see it now. We used to talk about it, could kind of grasp at it in the air, but now it's really becoming a reality. So I would just encourage you, if you're really seeking what God wants to do in your life, I'd encourage you to get involved in ministry mindset you will not regret it i guarantee it oh yeah tony i i totally agree it's it, you know we're leading it but it's exciting for us every day we we love the opportunity to to grow and really help people to find their purpose and put it into action also just to let you all know when you, if you go to the website you'll see there that there's a book that we wrote a book i wrote called the ministry mindset putting your purpose into action and it's it's a really straightforward, easy read. It's available on Amazon, and you can get a copy there both in digital and print form. And it is an overview of our of of what it means to have a ministry mindset. We go into much more detail what we talked about here on this podcast episode. And so, grab yourself a copy of that. Give one to a friend. It's a really valuable resource. It's great. So. Well, thank you all so much for being here. We're so glad that you joined us. You all have a great week, and we will catch you on the next episode. All right. See you all later.